Welcome back to Elephants in the Room podcast. I am your host, Ari Marie, and the title of this week's episode is The Makings of a Man Uncensored. Of course, before we dive into it, I have to thank everyone once again for all the support. Within the first month of me doing Elephants in the Room, I've already reached 100 plays. And to some, that may be small, but to me, that's huge. So once again, I thank y'all for showing so much love because it motivates me to keep going. Now, I am a week late with this episode, so I do apologize for the delay, but I'd rather take my time and give y'all my best work than rush and just put out anything. And to those of you who have been asking me about my next episode and holding me accountable, I greatly appreciate y'all because my procrastinating definitely needs a push every now and then. Now it's time to get into the topic. One, my intention for this episode is to gain a better understanding of men, especially in the black community, so that we can strengthen our relationships with one another, whether it's family, intimate, or friendships. I know that in many conversations, it's always said that women don't understand men and men don't understand women, which is very true. But why don't we understand one another? And are we really trying to understand one another for the benefit of both parties? So I took it upon myself to reach out to different men in my life who come from diverse upbringings so that they can share their set of experiences and views on what makes a man a man. But first, y'all know I got to get my input on the makings of a man. So in my eyes, a man is a provider as well as a protector, respectful and honest, supportive, loyal, and strong. And when I say strong, I'm not so much referring to the physicality of the man, but more so being mentally and emotionally strong. Now, keep in mind that is what I feel what makes a man a man, which could be different from the next woman. With that being said, one of my biggest frustrations with men is their inability to speak on their emotions and feelings. In the past, when I was dating, all too often I came across guys who were pretty decent or whatever, but had major issues talking about their feelings and emotions, which is a major pet peeve of mine when dating. (laughs) Ironically, Over the years, I've learned that I wasn't the best at communicating my emotions and feelings either, but that's a story for a different day. Um, But there will be situations where I can feel the energy shift and sense that my partner at the time would be upset, stressed, sad, or whatever the case may be. And when I ask them to elaborate on what's going on, I will get the bare minimum or the you don't or won't understand because you can't relate and a whole bunch of other dumbass excuses as to why they wouldn't open up fully about what was going on with them. Granted, I do understand that it's difficult to open up and be vulnerable, but if you're dating someone and plan on building with them, it's impossible for me to progress if you're feeling some type of way but won't even explain to me why. I personally don't have time to be around here playing blues clues with no grown-ass man as to why he's feeling as to what he's feeling and why, which is why shit didn't work between me and those men who bottled their emotions up. 
On the other hand, I will take accountability for the times that I've encountered men who are in tune with their feelings and emotionally intelligent and tweaked on them because my perception of them was that they were sensitive and over-emotional. With growing and maturation comes accountability. And I had to realize that in a way, a bitch was being a hypocrite. I can't expect a man to be in tune with his emotions, but then criticize him for displaying those feelings just because I might not necessarily agree with his thought process. So after doing some self-reflection, reading, and having conversations with others, I had to make a decision. It's either you want a man to be vulnerable and express his feelings or deal with the man who you have to play the guessing game with about what they're thinking. And if you know me, then you know I ain't got the patience for that shit. So y'all know what side I'm on. Um, And one of the people who I've learned a lot from just in general and about men especially is my best friend, Aaron. So y'all know I had to bring him in on this episode. Best friend, introduce yourself for the listeners, please. Hello, everybody. My name is Aaron Good. I'm a musician for those of you that don't know. Um, and yeah, that's that's the biggest thing about me. Um, You're a musician. Um, how old are you? I am 25. Just turned fresh 25 a quarter. Okay, okay. Um, and tell us a little bit about yourself as far as like your background. Uh, what type of background do you come from? Um, I come from a two parent household. Mm-hmm. Um, my my parents were married. Um, uh, I, we, our family would be considered, um, upper middle class in the economic scheme of things mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and so, yeah, my, my opinion comes from a, a, a bit of a privileged perspective, I'll say. Okay. All right. Well, I am glad to have you on the show. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Well, you yes, really ain't had no choice because you're my best friend. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> So um, after the intro, did you have anything uh, to say off of what um, you heard me say so far, or you just want to go ahead and get into this interview? Um, I mean, the I'll just say that every I do I do agree with what you said, and that every woman's um idea mm-hmm. of of a man is a little different, and mm-hmm. um some of that can be a good thing, some of that can be a bad thing. It just depends. Um, that's that's my biggest takeaway. Okay, well, yes, uh, let's go ahead and get started then. Um, one of the questions that I asked um, the other interviewees are, what are some misconceptions that you feel society has placed on men? Um, well, I know first and foremost, uh, at least in the black community, society has an expectation on men at least up until as of recently to not um express um any emotions outside of like happy emotions or angry emotions um up until uh, uh recently i feel like society is definitely responsible for that yeah definitely so um i can agree with that um any other ones that come to mind um Man, it's it's tough. I I try not to um look at society's scope of things too much to not dilute my own perspective because everybody's 
um, perspectives come from uh, some totally different experiences. Uh, and so there are a lot of things that are common in certain parts of society in, in terms of how the, the expectations or like kind of the misconceptions that people have about men. But I think the easiest way to state it is just that, you know, just like women, we are complex beings and uh, we come in a lot of different flavors. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All righty then. So um, what expectations do you feel women place on men that are unrealistic? Um, uh, uh, the, the biggest one and from my perspective is the expectation to um to fulfill the role in a woman's life that maybe their father did not fulfill completely um a lot of times um women will yearn for that especially if they come from a single mother household mm -hmm. um and expect a man to uh you know provide everything off rip um to be able to give them a life of luxury um to pamper and take care of them and to kind of uh you know steer them in the right direction yeah no um i definitely agree i do think that uh women are either attracted to men like their fathers or they look for or they go after men um who in one way or another kind of could be their father. It's, I don't know if I'm wording that right, but um, I do agree with what you said. Like me personally, I didn't have my real father in my life, but I was blessed enough to have a father figure who um, helped raise me from the time that I was eight. And so I do know that the guys that I go after, um, they have the same qualities of my father. Um, but even though my dad like spoiled me and made sure like I got my, he kept my hair and my nails done and stuff like that for me and dating, I didn't expect a guy to do that because I could do that shit myself. So even though like I grew up with that and it would be nice to have a man to do that, that wasn't necessarily a requirement for me. Um, I'm not big on the materialistic things. It's like, I need you to know if you can support me, you know, if you can pick me up when I'm down. I don't need you to necessarily provide for me, even though that's what it would I would like, but I don't need you to do that shit. And so that's why I know that I'm different. And me and um pretty much majority of my female friends are all alike in that way is where we're going to get our shit done regardless. We're not waiting on no nigga to do nothing for us. And that's just period um, on that. <laughs> If I can interject for a Go second, ahead. one of one of the things most interesting about that to me is just how materialistic our society is in general, because even just the word provide means so much beyond anything financial. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of men and women don't quite understand this. And so everybody gets wrapped up in in the financials. But, you know, as a man you should be able to provide much, much more, even if you are limiting in your uh, financial capabilities at the moment. There are plenty of things that, as a man, you should still be able to and can provide um, for a woman. I'm and that's so like glad more super that. important. I'm so glad you said that. Um, hold on, Gus, for one second. Why do you think men struggle to open up and be vulnerable um, publicly or just 
with another woman, so to speak. What What do you think uh, that has to do with? To lead a group of people to prosperity, honestly. That, that, mm-hmm. that is what it means to be a man to me, the ability to lead a group of people to prosperity. Everything else, like, comes after that because being a leader is going to come with strength. You have to be strong to be a leader. You have to be empathetic and compassionate to be a leader. Um, you have to be have foresight to be a leader and be uh, very forethoughtful. And so that, to me, just every word from top to bottom that it means to be a leader is what it means to be a man. Okay. Uh, I cannot wait um, to drop this um, after this interview. So that you can listen to the other two interviews and see how literally all of you guys pretty much gave me the same answer, but within different ways. Like, it was just crazy for me to sit here and listen to you say that. Like, damn, was you was you listening to my interviews last night type shit? Like, no, just the fact that amazing. all of you guys, exactly, that the fact that all of you guys are saying the same thing just goes to reiterate my point of this, these are the things and the qualities that go into making a man. If three out of the three men that I interviewed saying the same thing, then all right, we on to and, something. And, but um, next oh, question. Oh, can I add one thing? Go ahead. Let me just be very. Yeah, go ahead. Let me be very clear, even just in in that you know, um, because of slavery, uh, Jim Crow, war on drugs, mass incarceration, mm-hmm. all that, etc. The pipeline to who we are today as a people um there are mm-hmm. a group of men that will have this very rigid um idea this of what it means to be a man we are taking back control of that narrative um as yeah. black men because it is poisonous to us as a people to allow this to be the narrative that is seen from the outside um and it comes from within because like i said it's it's our people I just wanted to add that. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Oh, I cannot wait to release this. Okay, okay, okay. Um, after answering those questions, what do you think you could do better personally um, in order for men and women to be able to understand each other and effectively communicate? Oh, man. More community service, get more involved with with kids at a younger age so that they can grow up with some different mm-hmm. understandings because it's so much harder to unlearn than it is to learn. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to just be quiet. I'm going to just be quiet. Okay. Um, and the last question, but not least, um, with the recent murders of two innocent Black men um, in this country, how does that affect you um, mentally and emotionally if it does at all with um, you seeing and hearing about men who look just like you, who don't have criminal backgrounds, being innocently murdered. How does that affect you? Um, it's 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 complicated. Uh, I was raised by a sociopath who who was <laughs> who, who did, did That's on, right. I'm, no, this is this is. I look. I'm complete. It's an open book. I'm a sociopath myself because of that. I'm. I don't have no. This comfort oh, that, shit. but because I was <laughs> because I was raised by a sociopath, you know, he, he was big about preparedness and always being ready. And so, um, 
from an early age, I understood, especially through paying attention in history class, where we live, who we are, and what's going on around us. Uh, how it affects me, it, 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 it breaks my heart, honestly, that it, it continues to happen. Um, but at the same time, I understand it. You know, I've had my own run-ins with racist cops, and I feel like I was prepared to deal with it in a way that would make me come out of that situation still alive all i can say to all my fellow black men is just you know stay diligent keep your head up be prepared for anything including the worst at all times because we are at war still we were born at war and a lot of people don't recognize that because you know the fluff of integration um but we are very much still at war by the by the powers that be and so it's important to know that you know when you're at war you cannot act like you are not at war man man yes ma'am wow (laughs) well um that concludes our interview um i'm just really over here like shook a little bit because it's just crazy to hear you say all of the things that um was spoken about last night with my other interviews and um it's I just right now I'm kind of speechless like I'm I'm overwhelmed because you know everything (laughs) turned out to be exactly how I wanted it to be and I'm just very excited to release this episode but um yeah best friend thank you for coming on I do appreciate you absolutely Um, a lot of people don't really know um, how intelligent you very like you are because you say to yourself and you know you anti what you not understand because you the male version of me that's why we best friends but um, I'm glad that I have you on here to give people the opportunity to see where your head is and where your mental is because motherfuckers been sleeping on you know, for a long ass time. Honestly, I I appreciate. It's time for them to wake up. <laughs> I appreciate wholeheartedly, honestly, just the opportunity to, to, to come on platforms like this and speak um, because mm-hmm. I, I need to do a better job myself about being more vocal in general, just in my life, you know. But yes. even before even before the you corona, do. I've been quarantining. And so it's probably due time for me to come out of quarantine, at least once the actual quarantine is up. Mm, I agree. And... I'm going to hold you to yes, that. Ma'am. And you cannot uh, be held to it because, nigga, this is recorded. Hey, progress so, is a process. Yeah. Remember that. Hey, you know I know. <laughs> All righty. Uh, well, let me go ahead. <laughs> let me go ahead um, and get this episode together so I can release it. And I will talk to you All later. Right. All right. Send love. Nine times out of ten, it just comes down to them not having a male role model that was able to teach them how to do that. Um, even if they had a father in their life, because a lot of men just don't know how, and that's a, a honestly a trickle down effect still from slavery to Jim Crow to, uh, to, to the war on drugs, to mass incarceration, to all of that. Like it's all connected um, into just kind of taking the power away from the black family dynamic um, because a lot of our men are mentally and emotionally ill-equipped, and so it's just a trickle-down effect. At a certain point, um, even my own my own dad 
who who grew up without a father could not teach me how to deal with and express my emotions properly as a man. I learned that because I had a lot of other male role models growing up. You know, all my friends also had dads. I also played football growing up. So there were a lot of different environments for me to receive discipline and guidance and leadership from other men that were not just my father who was emotionally ill-equipped. Well, I'm happy that you had those role models in your life so that, you know, you were learning how to deal with your emotions and not be afraid to express your emotions um, public publicly, um, because a lot of guys don't have that um, role model and that person telling them it's okay to, you know, show emotion and cry, which leads me into my next question is, what are your thoughts on crying growing up? Um, as a child versus crying now um, that you're an adult? Um, To me, the only important difference when rearing a child um, when it comes to crying is just making sure that they understand what they're crying about. Past that, uh, crying is a very powerful and transformative thing that humans can do to release um you have to cry like it's it's imperative you have to have to have to cry sometime to let things out um you know i have my nephew around and he's a little emotional he's four and so he'll Mm -hmm. cry about something like it being nap time you know you can't you can't cry about everything so i try to make sure that i talk to him and just get him to understand the positives and the benefits of nap time and just letting him know, like, you know, you need rest to be strong. Um, You know, if you want to be strong, you got to make sure you eat right, get sleep. You can't resist nap time. And so it's nothing to be sad about. You know, we all take mm-hmm. naps. It's important. And just steering them away from crying about everything versus ever, ever, ever actually discussing the crying itself because the crying itself is not a crime. And I don't feel like, to me, there's no difference between a four-year-old and a grown man, except for that the grown man should know by now what things are and aren't worth crying about. You know, I'm not going to cry because, uh, you know, I didn't, I couldn't get the, the, the cheeseburger I fucking wanted from a restaurant. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. Um, and you can't get everything that you want all the time. And you have to understand that. But that certain things in your life will make you sad and that you should cry. Okay. You know, it's so funny um, <laughs> because I did my interview last night with Maya and literally when we got to talking about crying, he pretty much just said the same thing that you said. So it's funny that y'all are friends and that you introduced me to him because y'all are very similar um, in the way that you guys speak, think, and just handle things. So yeah, no, I just had to no, point that out. That's fucking dope. We're only as cool as we are because he is an evolved man and mm-hmm. we can identify with each other on that on that even since how you know how we met. It started through Twitter, but right. just the way he would speak on certain topics, you know, I could tell that he was, you know, a man of character and then meeting him and just understanding his connection to the to the feminine um and how he operates within that space it just gave me so much more context on who he is he's fucking dope i love that dude (laughs) same 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 okay so what factors are involved in becoming comfortable enough to freely express express your truest and innermost thoughts 
for you? Oh man, that's that's a rough one because I personally still don't necessarily always feel comfortable just sharing my thoughts with everybody. It's one of the reasons why I'm personally a little antisocial. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a tough one to answer. I guess for the most part, it it comes down to like self things like self-awareness and open-mindedness you know mm-hmm. somebody has to you have to know who you are um in order for me to feel comfortable telling you about who I am because mm-hmm. if you don't know who you are you're not gonna have no good grasp or no good judgment of who I am that's a big big fact okay um if you had advice to give women as to how to be supportive and their for men as a friend, relative, or a significant other, what would it be? How to show support, you ask? No, I'm saying if you had advice to give women as to how to be supportive to men, either in a friend, relative, or significant other, what piece of advice would you give women? Oh. Just have to be one? Can it be like multi-layered? No, go ahead. Come on. Um, you, this is uncensored, best friend. Let it all out. My my advice would be, um, first and foremost, to um, to to communicate with that man and make sure you have an understanding on uh the direction he's looking in. Um, mm-hmm. a man should be direction focused. If he is not, then he he still has growing up to do. And mm-hmm. you should probably steer clear of him. So in terms of how to support one, once you know what direction he's looking in, um, you have to, it's a thin line to walk between allowing him to move in that direction the way he sees fit and also making sure that he, that you can give him the information on how to better move towards that goal at the same time. Like it's, it's like walking the tightrope, honestly. And so I know it can be difficult but yeah, that's that's my best advice is just like know how to let him walk in his direction while mm-hmm. also telling him to watch out for that crack in the sidewalk or watch out for that puddle. Okay. Okay. Uh was there anything else you wanted to add uh to the advice or that's just yeah, um... uh I mean that's that's the biggest part of it. Okay. Just because I mean past that, um, you know, having that understanding should hopefully uh, you know, just allow you to understand his decision making, um, and so mm-hmm. that you can help his decision making. Because the only thing that separates one man from another man is the decisions he makes. And so, if you can help him streamline that decision making, um, he will not only f- respect you and cherish you forever, but um, he will listen. Okay. And if he okay. doesn't, that's a red flag. All right. All right. I hope y'all really listening, ladies, for real. Um, I trust my best friend's uh, point of view, perspective. Um, if my life depended on it, uh, I can trust him just because uh, he is a great guy. Um, and well, thank you. You're welcome. You know, you better fuck this up because, you know, this is an awesome nigga. Shut up. Um, but I just really respect his opinion. Um, 
because he's a very stand-up guy who has a great head on his shoulders and he be knowing his shit y'all so make sure y'all listening um with that uh being said best friend in your eyes what makes a man a man uh the ability to lead in every sense of the word being a leader is is about putting the people behind you before you mm-hmm. um it is also about making sure to set the direction and move in that direction and to be very intentional about it um past that being being a man to me is very fluid like i said we come with a lot of flavors and so mm-hmm. in my opinion if as long as you first of all have a penis and balls <laughs> i'm probably going to uh, offend a few people but i'm i'm talking about what it means to be like a man mm-hmm. um but Okay, so this next guy is by far one of the most genuine, amazingly intelligent people I've came across. And my best friend, Erin, actually introduced us. So shout out to you, Dusty, for linking us. You know, you might be raw or whatever. Um, But I actually worked for him at this restaurant in Midtown Atlanta back in 2017 uh, called Polly's. And he was the general manager there. Um, And from the day I met him, he's always kept it real and has a great spirit. He always made sure I was straight and did it out the kindness of his heart. And for that, he'll always hold a special place in my heart. So without further ado, my nigga Maya, better known to me as Rashad. Hey, Rashad. What up, what up? (laughs) Pleasure to meet everybody. Shout out to Aaron for blessing me. So, how you feeling today, love? Uh, pretty good. It's been a a quiet day out here in Seattle because of the quarantine. We're still pretty shut down, but outside of that, it's been a blessing out here. Can't complain. How about yourself? I am feeling good. I'm tired, but I am here and excited to have you on this episode to get your perspective because I know um it is going to be a good one. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, um, after hearing the intro, um, did you have any um, thoughts or comments that you wanted to say? Something to speak on? Uh, so, you were speaking on what it takes to be a man, and I did agree on your points, but I just wanted to add that I kind of think it's a, a loaded question to an extent, only because I feel like it takes... The biggest thing that it takes to be a man is consistency. And what I mean by that, it takes years to be a man. I think it's a a work in progress type of title to have. I feel like one of the reasons why, and when I say, I'm speaking about Black women when I say this specifically, because that's what I would speak to and relate to the most. But uh, just because I don't know who all views this podcast. But when we say that Black woman, it's always, it's always, started with that strong black woman that uh, intelligent black woman. there's always a, a specific adjective uh beh- beh- in front of it or behind it or with it whatever yeah. word you want to use yeah. and i think that's because you see the consistency from black women and that's why we're able to 
call black women women with ease nine times out of ten when we're discussing it and that's why you see black women go as hard as they do for women you see like rihanna beyonce every black woman kind of that is the face of black women right now and i actually it was funny because i was having this conversation with one of my bros the other day and it's like we have our male mm-hmm. leaders but like one that we all speak in high regards for is like barack obama there's not a single moment where someone's gonna be like man no back barack obama psh, no well when you think, when you hear that name you think shout out to chicago you hear oh man uh that yeah. is a that's a man that is a grown-ass man that is the whole definition of a man but when we speak on a lot of others it's like there's so much stuff that goes behind because men have been because of our egos and we've been kind of entitled because of the western civilization setup that it's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for me to always to grasp on that word. I feel like it's a thing that is a work in progress for us. I feel like you have to do it consistently throughout years and years and years for you you to be able to do that. I always think when I hear that sometimes I think of Beyonce. Beyonce gets her title, her aura, her her demeanor, her followers because of the work she put out consistently. She's been doing this for decades. That is a strong black woman because what she's been doing for decades. You got to do this for a decade. You got to be a strong black man for decades for me to say, oh, yeah, that's a strong man. We can all sit here and, uh, you know, look out for each other, do the small things. That's what you're supposed to do. I can't, I can't call you a man necessarily for doing what you're supposed to do. You're going over these people. We, we don't call these women women for doing what they're supposed to do. We call them the strong black women for going over and beyond and paying attention to the detail and doing the extravagant things they do. That's kind of where I'm standing at it in my life currently this can change soon but as of right now i'm kind of viewing it as a it's a work in progress title to me man uh thank you for that because that is something that i definitely feel is necessary in a man and a partner and a friend you know, and a relative. So thank you for pointing that out. So y'all add that to my list of what I think is a man um, consistently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So what are some other misconceptions that you feel society has placed on men? Um, To be honest, again, this kind of steers into my first statement i'm kind of in a a crossfire just because i've been on my woman empowerment phase the last year and a half just because if it wasn't if it wasn't for black (laughs) some of the black women in my life i would not be where i'm at currently so i'm kind of and this isn't any shade to any of my my strong black men in my life like aaron strong consistent one of my loving friends, me and him don't talk every day, but I can hit him up and it's like, I seen him yesterday. Like, this is no shade to any men that I know are doing the damn things. I know a lot of them out there that are doing it. But I just, I'm just at a point where the misconceptions are kind of coming to light. And it's like, I don't even know if I can really call them misconceptions because there's just a lot of things that men do that we aren't realizing that we do because of the Western civilization entitlement that we've been born with. 
and it's it's so natural to us that we think what no you're complaining you're doing this and it's like no bro we really aren't as empathetic empathetic as we think we are we're not as we're not listening like we think we are we're not paying attention to detail like we think we are and since we can't be told about ourselves we're always hit with that lack of communication because when we're trying to when black women and i'm bringing up black women because they tell it like it is when black women tell it like it is and tell it straightforward we take it as you guys being combative and trying to argument when in all actuality we've been entitled and due to our ego we can't take straightforward communication as communication we take it as them being combative and wanting to argue so it it's kind of hard for me to sit here and call things misconceptions when a lot of the things we do or are do shoot us in the foot and the only reason I can say that is because I've had to sit back because one a very close woman to me t- told me I had to sit back and kind of reflect on the perspective I hold because it was detrimental to our friendship. And when a woman that's been there for me tells me that things that I'm doing is detrimental to my French, our friendship, I have to sit here and look back and be like, okay, what am I doing that I can do better as a man to make sure the woman who is trying to communicate with me that the misconceptions that I think are here are not misconceptions. So it's one of those things where I'm at a point right now, I would need a man to sit on here and tell me like, what do you think that we're like, for instance, when men say it, when men think we don't, uh, we don't listen enough or we don't do enough for women and stuff like that. And it's like, well, when you look at all the things like, like, like for instance, like when you, you, you worked for me, but you would come to work, bring me lunch, or you would braid my hair or do some stuff. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do none of that. But those are right. little things that men don't really pay attention to. It's like, oh, you know, she's doing the hair. Thanks. It's just like, oh, you know, she's doing that for me. You know, that's just whatever. It's little things like that. And it's like, do you realize if you didn't have those things in that, your life wouldn't be as comfortable as it is because of that entitlement, because of that ego. These are things you expect to do. These are things that we, and that's why I'm, I'm, it's misconceptions. I don't know if they're misconceptions. It's something where I needed to talk to my bros and my bro, we need to have a sit down. We need to talk to each other. Wow. Okay. Well, you actually just answered one of my further questions. So look at you <laughs> uh, being two steps ahead of my me. Bad, my wow. bad. Wow. Um, no, it's cool. No, I really appreciate that. Um, I also want to just commend you for, you know, holding yourself accountable and your bros accountable because that's what I was talking about earlier. It's like I had to take some accountability in the situation where why I kept ending up in the same situation with men because at the end of the day, it takes two. Okay, am I going after, you know, after the wrong type of guy? Or, you know, like, what is it? What role do I play in this? Because it's not just a you, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's a me and you type thing. So, I mean, that definitely comes with growth and just different experiences and wanting to change. And the fact that your um, friend could come to you and you be like, okay, let me take a step back and look at myself, you know, I commend you because it takes a lot to hold yourself accountable because at the end of the day, nobody wants Thanks. to be wrong. Like I know I younger, me being younger, I hated being wrong. Like I always wanted to be right. And then being older and learning, it's like, you don't always have to be right. It's okay to be wrong. If you're the smartest person in the room. Then you need to surround yourself around other people or else you won't grow. And you know, that's something that I was reading in the uh, books. Like, um, I read Steve Harvey's Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success, 
and um, it touched on things like that. And so uh, those parts definitely stuck with me because I'm on this journey to grow and improve and be the best woman that I can possibly be. So I'm out here just seeking all the knowledge that I possibly can because, again, my goal is to bring my people together, um, strengthen our relationships, get out here and do what we got to do so we can take back over the world because, you know, we the blueprint for everything. But they don't really hear me right now. No, that's they going to feel me in a little And if I, if I may <laughs> not to throw you too off your... Uh interview um i wanted to branch off something you said uh the backpedal a little bit the wanting to change i feel that Mm -hmm. and this this might be a little touchy for some of the male listeners out there but and it and it's touchy for me myself it's something i'm currently working on myself but that wanting to change i feel like a lot of men don't like don't want to change because they realize with that change comes a a sense of unknown and if anything that freaks humans out in general it's the unknown it makes us very uneasy and nervous and with that unknown with women we also realize we are coming off that pedestal that we naturally have set in our mind so you're changing your whole entire being as a man you're going to you're becoming a student again you're becoming a servant to woman and a lot of men don't realize you're going from being the king to the servant. So woman, you want something to work. You kind of do have to serve your woman. And a lot of men don't want to do that because they just like, well, I kind of like my how my misogynistic life is kind of going. And when I say that there, you know, I feel like there are levels to misogyny. And I hate I know some women out there might be like, nigga. And I'm like, I understand. I apologize out there. But there are there are levels. to this dude. <laughs> And it again, it sounds stupid, but you have your futures and then you just have your like little your little fuck nigga that just just there just like nigga you are just you got no backbone but you are a fuck nigga so i just feel that you gotta as a man you gotta be and this is why i said that this to the title man takes a a consistent effort to be to hold that title because you can be hit with a moment like this where you and your girl are are reaching a breaking point. Are you going to sit there and bitch out? Be like, no, this is what we're going to do, and that's final. Or are you going to sit here and be like, all right, I hear, I hear my woman. I need to back back and reevaluate myself, change my perspective, and serve. You got to want that. That was all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I concur. I. You just said that very well. So. Thank you for that. Um, what I did want to do because I forgot because we just got deep into convo. Um, for the listeners, let them know a little bit about your background. Oh, oh shoot, my bad. What you How old are you? You know, just a little. Um, okay, I'll go kind of deep so people can may have kind of got get a grasp of where I'm coming from. Uh. Uh, born up north in Seattle, Washington. My mom worked for the government, so we traveled a lot. I moved to the East Coast when I was 10, 11 to Jersey, Philadelphia. Um, lived in Baltimore for a year, lived in Los Angeles for seven years, six, seven years, then moved to Atlanta. So, you know, I've lived all over. Uh, lived in London for a couple months. That was interesting. Uh, so, you know, coming from a different perspective, I've had. (laughs) All types of roommates, uh, from all from the LGBTQ community to the most 
LA of LA niggas to the most Valley girls of Valley girls to the most East Atlanta niggas to the most bougie of Buckhead women. Like I've seen it all. I've black man 30 degree, you know, just, you know, thriving, trying to make it out here. So. Wait, hold on. Say that. Black man with a degree trying to be two degrees hotter, hopefully in the next two years working on that. Shout out to you, Deb, for giving a man a chance. Yes, man. I love hearing good things about man, your future. Trying to get this and get my um, own restaurant this time. No working for nobody but myself. We get, we almost there. We almost there. Getting there. Getting there. Yeah, look, for real. And you know, in fact, oh, free. one, okay. one, uh, <laughs> one I'll kind of like to kind of add to me. Uh, mentioning family. Uh, raised by a single mother, five kids. Uh. Mm-hmm. One brother passed away from cancer, so my my perspective changed a, drastically after I lost my brother. So I my my perspectives you can so if my travels and my family play a part to you, I just want the listeners out there. I want that to kind of ring in the back of your mind when you hear the things I say. No, uh, just to follow up on that, I have been trying to instill that in my mother and to let her know like you know everything that I went through as a child you know good and bad has everything to do with me right now whether it's you know positive or negative everything aligns and the things that trigger you now are things that you haven't healed from and it could come from your childhood trauma and all of that and it's just like we do not see eye to eye on that subject. And so we bump heads so much because it's like, bro, how you finna tell me what I went through as a child has nothing to do with my Thanks. fuck ups as an adult. Um, <laughs> like, like, I feel like people, but... <laughs> and not to cut you off, like the two things. One, I forget how Miss Michelle Obama said it, but she said, um, paraphrasing, because I don't want to say I'm quoting, uh, the hardest thing to do is to unlearn learned quality traits and then on top of that people think like you learn from repetition you do something consistently throughout your life you're going to become that as you grow it's just like your homework it's just like doing your hair it's just like doing your makeup whatever you want to say you do it in repetition that becomes you that becomes something you're good at so when you have these traumas these uh these mannerisms these 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 toxic traits that you have it's because you learned these and they were deemed okay growing up. So you were like, cool. Then you meet people who didn't grow up like you, and they be like, but they, they fuck with you. And they're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Hold on, Maya, you cool, but my yeah. Yeah. what is that? So, and yeah. I feel like people don't realize that. It's like, bro, you got to unlearn those negative traits. It's not, we're not saying you, you, you yourself are a negative person. We are just saying these little things that you're doing are kind of mm-hmm. weird, bro. You gotta, you gotta relax with that. <laughs> hey man, you want to know what's so fucking crazy is the fact that I literally just posted on my story right before I did your interview, and I'm not sure if this is the quote from um, Michelle Obama because I did watch the documentary um, myself, but um, I just reposted this tweet that says unlearning is one of the highest forms facts. of learning. Super and facts. I felt that because... Ooh, ooh. Okay. I know, I'm right, sorry. All these tangents. <laughs> um, so, 
No, you know what? But for real, this is first of all, this is how I talk to everybody. So I be jumping all over the place, but it makes <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, let me see. What else did I have to ask you? Um, what were your thoughts on crying growing up as a child versus crying as an adult? Um kind of the same but it, it it has definitely changed as an adult i am definitely more open to it as an adult but again i have to i kind of got to explain that as a as a child crying was okay you know raised by a single mom my older brother didn't necessarily that passed he didn't necessarily like it but it was one of those situations where it depends on the situation if i'm crying cuz i lost a basketball game he going to punch me in the chest I'm crying because <laughs> I scraped my knee or just something like that where I'm bleeding. And I'm, you know, I'm five, six years old. He can be like, okay, my little brother, he, you know, he's never seen his like bleeding like that. So I don't understand why he's crying. But if I'm crying just to be crying or because I'm not getting my way, he's going to mm-hmm. punch me in the chest. So did growing up, it was okay, depending on the situation. Then as I get into my teens, you know, I, I kind of learned the passion from being a, a captain and being a leader on the, you know, the passion from losing. I see them. I'm like, okay, well, I'm crying from that because the passion, you're working hard to get the championship, you get your butt kicked. It's acceptable. It changes again. Then my brother passes away. And my brother passed away when I was 21. At that age, mm-hmm. I was still being a hoodlum, doing dumb shit. So yeah. I was right. already kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was already holding back my emotions because I can't think of the word I'm thinking, trying to think of. I was holding back my emotions as is, like putting walls up just so I could do the things I was doing mm-hmm. back in, back then. Right. And then when my brother passed, I kind of... Mm-hmm. I explained it when I explained that time because I, oh, I went to a dark place when my brother passed. So during that time, I, I didn't want to cry. I just went... I call it the sunken place because it's the perfect place to a perfect way to explain it because i just went to this place where no one was around in my brain it was just me and i was just in a moment of shock from like 21 to like i think it was 25 and this is where it kind of gets a little personal but i'm going to share this so people understand a little bit i'll never forget it because so for the viewers out there i don't know my brother was um half white and one of his and he 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 loved the fact that he was half black and half white because he could just confuse people with the way he would move you know he'd be like black power but then have a confederate flag running around and just make people <laughs> mad he just do stupid stuff like that but he's funny but you know when you sit here being a black activist and your your uh work speaks for itself you know you can do those type of things he's like a dave Chappelle type dave Chappelle but light skin type um so i'll never forget it because mm-hmm. one day i'm like i'm in california i just got promoted at apple i got my own my own apartment like everything in my life's going great and one of my brother's favorite songs growing up was the Ace of Spades. And it's this rock song. And we always had, we always sing the first verse in uh, together, right? For So for some strange reason, I decided yeah. to play that song when I got home. And I was jamming the fuck out to that song. And for some, till this day, I don't know why I did it. But for some strange wrong reason, I put my hand up for like a high five like my brother was there. And I just... From that moment on, mm-hmm. I like left that sunken place and I came back to reality and I just broke down. I'll mm-hmm. never forget that day. I broke the fuck down. I don't think I ever cried that hard in my life. Like I locked my door. My roommates were all worried because they just heard me screaming at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. I called my mom and I was like, mom, 
Jared's dead. Jared's dead. My mom, I could, I'll never forget it. My mom was like, oh my God, finally, breakthrough. Calls my twin. My twin calls me down. My twin has this nickname yeah. for me that she calls me. They kind of like sit, level me out. And she's kind of like, you know, twin, like breathe, twin, you here, I'm here. Da, 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 da. And we're like talking and talking it out. And you know, my perspective on crying changed. And there's like things you got to, you got to let those out. And I feel like a lot of things that, that men don't realize is a lot of reason why women's cry is, I, and it, we see it in tweets all the time. Like, I'm not, not crying because I'm hurt. I'm crying so I don't kill you. Like, these are the things that, like, we laugh and we're like, ha, 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 that's funny, ha, ha. But they know women be dead ass. <laughs> they letting out those emotions. They're letting out that expression because they got to release. And I feel like people, a lot of men don't realize that no. crying isn't a form of weakness. It's a form of release. And that's helping you express yourself. Because that's the half the reason why niggas be spazzing yeah. all the time and be ready to always out here murdering niggas is because they don't have they never be releasing there's way more to release than just sex and a lot of niggas don't realize that and that's why niggas be so stuffed up in the head because they have all that pent up anger and sadness and depression you ain't releasing none of that so when someone when your girl randomly doesn't give you enough chips in your bowl you spaz out and she's like did this nigga just spaz over some chips and you're just sitting here like, what is going on? You're like, why well, asked you for this bonbon? It's like, bro, you need to cry, bro. You need to go cry in a corner for you, not for me, and not for them chips. You need to go cry for you, please. No, <laughs> that's a big fucking facts right there. Um, you know, it's crazy that you say that because um, I am a woman, but I grew up with like tough love Um, my mom was nurturing but then she got to a point where it was like more tough love than nurturing aspect and um honestly um in my second episode I had spoke on trauma and losing my brother in March and then losing my grandparents three months later like I had literally like felt pain like I've never felt it before like I when people say you can feel your heartbreak like I literally felt my heart and the day the the day I got the phone call when my sister-in-law called me um I I didn't cry on the way there when I got there and reality hit me that both of my grandparents were dead and like it, it was because of my uncle and the situation. Like I knew that things were gonna right. get worse before they got better, and reality set in. And so that I cried then. I probably cried maybe a few days, um, leading up to the funeral. It the funeral wasn't until two weeks after they died. So that shit was just fucking terrible and just man, I I hated that part of it. And then. I think, I don't even think I really cried at the funeral. I mean, yeah, I cried a little bit at the funeral. And then after that, I didn't have the breakdown cry. That release. Like, I'm talking about in the shower. Yeah, like in the shower, just fell to my knees, like legit. Let everything out until like months later uh at this time I I was living in Atlanta but I do remember that moment where I just like let it all out because I was also going through a lot of things uh in that moment with you know moving to a new city um being 
how many miles is I can't remember I think it's like 500 600 miles away from Chicago you know and experiencing those tragedies starting something new being scared um uh I wasn't speaking to my mom and my brother like we weren't really on good speaking to well I wasn't speaking to my brother at all actually um during the time that my grandparents had died and this is the brother that I grew up in the house Mm. with my mom's son I wasn't speaking to him I don't believe I was speaking to her actually and we actually got into it um the day of of their death when we were there so when I moved to Atlanta it was just like I was going through all these changes and these emotions and it was like it was even more hard for me to go through it because it was just like I had my godparents um gratefully that they took me in and gave me that opportunity you know to start fresh but I didn't things weren't right with you know my family so it was really really difficult for me at first um moving down there because I was just going through so many emotions but after having that um that moment of just breaking down and like just asking God to just help me because I really didn't even have the words to describe how I felt I was just angry and upset and frustrated I do remember like shortly after that is when I got back to me and wanting to change my you know life and not be sad and not be stuck in the place so I definitely uh can relate to you because that shit ain't no joke, but crying definitely helps. And now that I'm older and I've experienced a lot of shit, I'm okay with crying now. I really don't care. I'd be having to let that shit out and go. You got it though. And I'd be cool <laughs> once I let it out. Yeah, you definitely have to. Um, before we go, I just wanted you to touch on your experience in Atlanta, being a man, a black man. And, Black Hollywood and being a general manager for a restaurant in um, Midtown Atlanta. Just touch on um, some of your experience with that. Um, it was an experience. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can really say for real, for real. Atlanta is just different. Uh, you know, it's the Black Mecca, so Black mm-hmm. Excellence speaks. The uh, being a black general manager in Atlanta speaks volume too. So I've I received a lot of praise and a lot of love from people in Atlanta. So that that was very new for me. So it was it was different. It was a lot to yep, digest, man. but it also because I was so I'm older. I'll be thirty next month. So I, it was, and I I started when I was 2015, 16. So I was twenty five or twenty six when I started down there. So I was, you know, fairly mm-hmm. in the game because I've been kind of I've been on my own since I was 18. So, you know, I've been kind of doing my thing for a fair minute, amount of time at this point. So I, I know fake love. Uh, mm-hmm. I know real love. I know strategic love. I know like when what niggas are trying to do. So it was easy to read. But there yeah. was a lot of natural love mm-hmm. that I was not expecting. Like that to this day that I still have. And I'm like, wow, yep, like, to the same. point where people in Atlanta want me to move back because they appreciate the work I was able to do, even though I was kind of sweat from under my feet. Um, all that to say, that love isn't received everywhere. Like, 
the love I received that I never received that type of love when I was mm. in California, even up here in Washington. It's just a different demographics. It's like different, and that kind of plays a part in the two different regions and different demographics look at what a man is differently. So it just really, really, really depends on communication yeah. and who yeah. you're talking to. But Atlanta did definitely show me appreciation and what it what true appreciation is and let me know like when who means it when a when a woman says like oh you know i appreciate this man in front of me like it did let me know like it did show me a new perspective on what it is to be a man and like who generally means it when they see one that's that's real that's definitely real um i will say i was surprised too when i moved down south that the southern hospitality down there it is definitely a thing um like it was just crazy like living where i lived at everybody like spoke to you when they drove past when they walked past and nope. um, in the city not even a no, little bit like that um, so, <laughs> so it's um it's just, I mean, in neighborhoods that you grew up in, yes, but just like anywhere and people don't know you, like, nah, it's not like that. And I definitely experienced a lot of love and support from the people that I came across and wanting to help and teach you. I mean, you especially, like, for you to give me the opportunity to work for you in this restaurant um, was dope. And it brought me to meet even more great people who I still have conversations with now, yeah, like Dom. Dom. Like Dom hit me up, reposted. Um, yeah, my Chelsea. Chelsea, my cat twin. Like, man, like so, just meeting so many people and Bay Kendall. Yeah. Like she reached out and she's doing her own thing. <laughs> and the fact that like we all still keep in touch even with me moving back um I do appreciate the opportunity and you introducing me to those other people um because that meant a lot and it's opened up doors and I know we'll open up more doors in the future and so that's one thing that I said that I was going to bring back to my city is the love and the support and show um people that is power in numbers and I'm gonna keep reiterating that it is power in numbers we will succeed when we stop trying to be in competition right. with one another I want to say this to all my creatives and entrepreneurs I don't care how many other people are doing the same thing that you're doing I don't care how many people doing lashes if that's what you want to do do that. I don't care how many people is doing nails. If that's what you want to do, do that. Go ahead and go after your dreams and market and sell yourself differently so that you all can succeed. It's that enough part. money out here for all of us to eat. And we already have the odds against us with living in this racist ass country. So instead of competing with one another, we got we need to worry about building one another up. So that we make it. No other group here. competes so against each other like we do. And I'll never I understand that. Everyone else builds each other up. We're the only group that build up everyone else except ourselves. I'll never understand that logic. I'm just going to be honest. It, it goes back to the Jim Crow and all of that. And um, a lot of us not being able to overcome that mentality and being stuck 
and um what's the word that I'm looking at being influenced and you know ingrained by the old ways and it's sad to say that honestly it's the older generation like my generation our generation like we out here getting it we taking advantage of all type of shit it's so many black entrepreneurs while Simon Taylor Sweet working in their careers right now that I know and that nice. shit is amazing to fucking see like that shit is inspiring it's admiring so we're on the way I will say well at least the people that I know so um, I am excited about that but Ooh, it's, we yes. still have a long way to go so again that is goal for us to come together because we are the blueprint for every fucking thing and it's time for us to get the recognition that we deserve and when I tell y'all that is my goal and I'm gonna make that shit happen this is recorded and years from now I'm gonna look back into this uh and listen to this and I'm gonna say (laughs) I motherfucking told y'all so (laughs) but yeah um that was that sorry I just had to have my moment because man I really felt the need to say that but once again Rashad thank you thank you so much for agreeing to do this Uh, I enjoyed the conversation and when this you know last virus goes away and slows down thank you for having me (laughs) please have me again you know I'm always up for it I enjoy these Keep doing your thing. Thank you for starting this. It was oh, definitely something we needed and needed to discuss. That that means so much to me. So thank you so much. All right, I'll talk to you um, soon. I Be will safe. Talk to you soon, love. Bye. Well, that 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 was a lot. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I I completely I completely agree. You know, with with, with how you're feeling. I okay. I tend to believe that in especially the black, you know, community, we're not taught how to express ourselves. We're taught that expression is weak. So a mm-hmm. lot of times with men, it's not that they are not trying to, they're trying to hold something from you. I think what it is is that they just don't know how to express right. without feel, feeling weak. And as a mm-hmm. man, especially a black man, the last thing you want to do is feel weak. Right. Definitely so. And that's very hard to do. I mean, it takes a lot to show your vulnerability. It mm-hmm. really does. Yeah, I mean, and, I can relate. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I, can, I can relate too. Just being like, it's hard, even with doing this podcast. Like, it's very hard to be vulnerable because I'm sharing it with the world. And, you know, the world doesn't know me and my personal experience, even though I'm just speaking on it they don't know everything so it's kind of like dang like how is this going to be received but like honestly I haven't received anything but love and support so that makes it um, a little easier but it's still hard to open up in front of everybody so I definitely understand it um, more so now being an adult and growing and being in certain situations yeah, and, and, and it goes the same way. I mean, you know, men men are raised this way, women are raised mm-hmm. this way. We're, we're all raised to, you know, be strong. We have to show strength. The world, you know, recognizes strength. And 
biggest strength that we have is our weakness. Man. <laughs> our weakness, that's our strength right there because that enables us to grow. Man, okay. <laughs> Go ahead and drop the gems early on. Huh? <laughs> Just think about that. Like, okay, I had to pause. I'm going to have to um, put that in one of my little quotes, okay? Um, so, I thank my dad for that. My dad was a was a pure thinker. That's that's what's up. I can I see where you get that from. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> um, before <laughs> we get into the interview, I just want you to tell um, the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like you know, if you don't mind sharing your age and um, a little bit about like what you do. My background. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm 40 years old, uh, just turned 40 in January. Um, I was in the uh, Marine Corps for nine years from 1998 to 2007, mm-hmm. got out. I have two two children, two boys, my, my oldest, he'll be 19 in December, mm-hmm. Kelly the third, and then oh, my, my youngest, Jane, will be 16 in August. Right now, currently, I uh, manage a storage facility, but, mm-hmm. you know, I've had plenty of jobs in the past. I've been a 911 dispatcher. I've Man, I've been the general manager of a restaurant, you know, supervisor at Home Depot. I've I've done or drove a taxi. I've done pretty much about everything. Um, but you know, one thing that I have learned in, in my life is that every experience brings you closer to your dream. Man, I am like experiencing that right now is so overwhelming, but in a good way, like. I'm just like, wow, I went through all of this to end up here. And it's just amazing how, like, things come full circle. Like, it's really Mm -hmm. crazy. I'm really over here shook at the direction that my life is moving in. But I'm just so Mm -hmm. happy. But it's still like, wow. Things you you realize about yourself, Neeks, as you you go through life, the things, because when when I was a kid, if you would have ever told me that I'd be an artist and creating stuff and drawing, painting, mm-hmm. building models of, 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 of you know, different things, little miniatures. I, I would, I would have, you know, try, probably, you know, believed it, but I would have thought, you know, it was crazy, but you know, everything that we do in life actually prepares us for our true purpose on here. On Earth. I've been saying that so much. So I'm so glad to hear you reiterate that. Cause I know that I'm at least I'm onto something. <laughs> Um, okay mm-hmm. so um one of my first questions is what are some misconceptions that you feel society has placed on men um other than uh having to be strong and not be weak some misconceptions that society has placed on men that men do not have to lead, that men aren't the leaders of the family. Ooh. Society will, 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 will tell you that, you know, the family can be led by, you know, anyone. Anyone can be the head of the family. Mm-hmm. A man, a true man needs to lead his family mm-hmm. in all aspects. You, you know, you always, you know, do it along with your spouse, but, but the man has to be the leader. He has to be the one to, to demonstrate the way to live and I think that society has 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 kind of taken that away from 
the man, has kind of demasculized the man as, as far as him being able to lead that, be that, that, that true standout leader of that family. So a lot of men have become kind of timid. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Interesting. I was not expecting you to say that, but I definitely um, agree with you. And that's a good point that a lot of people don't speak on. Um, so what expectations do you feel women place on men that are unrealistic? Like in your past, what are some like crazy expectations that a woman has came with you? Are you like... <laughs> the, the well, it, the thing with me is I'm not materialistic. So when it when it comes to ma- material items, yeah, it, it's very it's nice to be able to you know do, buy what you want, get what you want, and everything. It's mm-hmm. not to me. It's not the what's the word I'm looking for. It's not the the end to end all. You know, right. for so for me, like the the restrictions that you know some of the women in the past have have tried to place were more on the material side that that drove me away mm-hmm. um as far as you know the wanting to receive love wanting to receive attention wanting to mm-hmm. you know have that that best friend as your spouse mm-hmm. those those type of you know things that you know that they're, they're looking for I, i'm all for that because I'm, I'm i'm looking for the same thing i, I truly yeah. believe that in a relationship you have to be best friend you have to mm-hmm. if you're if you're not isn't it's not going to work because if you if you can't stand to be a, around your spouse then there's probably an issue with you know you and your spouse mm-hmm. agree uh, i we talk about that a lot amongst like me and my friends and um just relationships and stuff uh, i think the quarantine don't uh either some divorces or bringing uh, some couples closer together. <laughs> right, and 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 for 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 your for your aunt and I, it's just been business as usual because we all we always love have have always loved being around each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So I love y'all so much. Y'all are like literally my faves. And we love you too. Oh, um. What were your thoughts on crying growing up as a child versus crying now as an adult? For <laughs> okay, so it's kind of uh, funny with this because you know, growing up, I, I was I was an emotional child. I would cry. You know, if I felt the need to cry, I would cry, and nothing would stop me. But I, you know, I had a, a pretty harsh dad. My dad was about six four, two hundred and something pounds, Vietnam veteran, very militant. And, you know, he looked at it as a weakness. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my mom, she always, you know, tried to bring me back back up when he would try to bring me down when it came to it. But now as an adult, so like when I was a, when I was a kid, let me go back to that. When I was a child, I, I kind of, it was a stigma on crying. Mm-hmm. I always felt like, you know, it's something wrong, you know, if you cry. But as an adult, I, I, I tell my boys this all the time. There is nothing wrong with a man crying. There's nothing wrong with a person crying. We're all made as, as human beings, and we all are made with emotion. If we're all made with the same emotion, what is the what? What's wrong with a man crying? Man, oh, 
Y'all listening? Say that again for the people in the back, Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> if we're all, if we're all made with the same emotion and feeling that that God created us all with, what is it was wrong with a man crying? What is wrong with it? There's nothing at all, in my opinion. Man, I agree. So, what factors are involved in becoming comfortable enough? to freely express your truest and innermost thoughts with um, the people around you, like you personally? What makes you comfortable enough to just be vulnerable around uh, my auntie or, you know, your mom or your dad or your friends or whoever? Well, I was, you know, I was actually brought up in church. I was raised in church. I always went to church when even when my, my, my parents didn't go, I, I'd get up and call the pastor's son. He'd come pick me up and take me to church. For me, it's, it's always been about my faith. Like, okay. you know, there's Jesus cried. I'll put it to you that way. Je- Jesus wept. <laughs> you know, and if, to me, if, Je- if Jesus cried, there is nothing wrong with, with me crying. There's nothing wrong with, you know me having emotion there's nothing wrong with me having feeling because the bible says that th- this is how we were created mm-hmm. and there's nothing that there's nothing that can contradict that in my eyes okay i like that answer it's like, man whew, i didn't know i needed this conversation myself okay um <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know you didn't know Unc had some knowledge over yeah, here. <laughs> I know I knew. I definitely knew. That's why you on the podcast because you need to share. <laughs> I guess you did. I guess you did. <laughs> okay. Um, if you had any advice to give women as to how to be supportive and there for, you know, men as a friend, relative, or significant other, what would it be? support that man the the biggest the the biggest thing that men look for in you know the woman that they love is support um when a man feels that that a woman you know can't or won't or chooses not to support him it 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 really breaks breaks a man even the hardest man i don't care what type of man it is in one way or another it will break that man because we, we we look for the strength in in our mm-hmm. from our women. Whether, whether some men know how to show it or not, we look for that strength from our from our women. And when when we're being told, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing that right, you know, you need to do this, you mm-hmm. need to do that, instead of, you know, thank you for doing this or thank you for doing that, no matter how slight it may be, it'll cause that man to start thinking about doing more for that woman. Okay. And, vi- and vice versa, because men do the same thing mm-hmm. for women. Okay. All right. And last but with the recent murders of two innocent Black men um, in America, how does that affect you, if it does at all, as being a man in America and seeing things like this happen to, you know, people that look like you, um, does that affect you in any way? Oh, of course it does. I mean, it, it affects me every time I walk out of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, you just never, you never know in this world what's going to happen with the amount of hate that floats around out there every day. But 
you know, my my thing I, I, that I also look at is that we're we're not we're not the only ones mm-hmm. being killed, and it's a tragic thing when anyone is, is murdered in any kind of fashion, as far as you know, mm-hmm. hate and racial. Um, I, I think that until we as people look at the bigger picture and realize that we're all human beings together mm-hmm. the, the 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 rate the racial tensions the you know the the bigotry every nothing it, it won't go away right it won't go away because we'll we'll continue to say this many black people black men young black men in america were murdered or you know this happened you know this happened we'll continue to 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 try to dance around the problem instead of solving yeah. the problem. Hmm. Man. I am just sitting over here just thinking about the responses that you gave me and I am just grateful. No, seriously, <laughs> I'm just really grateful for this knowledge, man. I really appreciate you coming on and participating for your niece, man. It really means so, so much. So thank you, Uncle. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm very grateful, and it was a real compliment for you to ask me. All right, y'all. That concludes episode four, The Makings of a Man Uncensored. Special thanks to my best friend, Rashad, and my Uncle Kelly for agreeing to be on Elephants in the Room. I chose these three men to speak on this topic because every single one of them embody what a man is supposed to be, And I trust them with my life, no questions asked. So I hope you all enjoy. Of course, I'm not letting y'all go without my weekly quote. And this week is another lyric from J. Cole's album, K.O.D., titled Once an Addict Interlude. Quote, sometimes I think pain is just a lack of understanding. If we could only understand it all, will we feel no pain? God must feel no pain only joy does this mean even our suffering pleases him end quote